Well, we are continuing talking about relationships. We're looking at the ABCs of relationships. Up to this point, we've looked at our words, communication. We've looked at our emotions. And today we're looking at the topic of forgiveness. And uh, as we look in Ephesians 4, at the very end of the chapter, we see that Paul is really trying to motivate, inspire, challenge, encourage, correct uh, his followers, the followers of Christ, uh, so that their relationships reflect the profession that they make as followers of Jesus. Now, here's what I would like to say, and y'all just look this way for a second, okay? Here's the challenge. See, I, I believe that when you go to work as a follower of Jesus, people should know by how you relate to them that you're a follower of Jesus. They might not be able to say it that way, but they should be able to tell that there is something different about you by how you relate to them. And I'm afraid, I'm fearful. I'm not saying it's true. I'm just fearful that the people that you work with or go to school with, they don't see the difference. When something stressful happens in your world, you respond just like everybody else does. When something negative happens in your workplace or in your, in, in your, uh, at school, you, you react just like everybody else does. When somebody says something ugly to you, you react and respond just like everybody else does. And that's not the way we were created as new creations in Christ. See, you and I are supposed to be different. Now, we can blame it on the culture and how bad the culture is. That's why, you know, we see uh, the, the, the waning of Christian America and all that kind of stuff. Guys, I, I'm, I'm sorry. I, I, I have read too much of the New Testament to believe that to be true. And you might say, well, what do you mean? Well, you read the New Testament. There wasn't a soul in Jerusalem that was a, that, that was a follower of Christ except the, the couple of hundred people that knew Jesus and committed to follow him. There, there, they, there were not followers of Christ all over Asia Minor and, and, the, and the civilized world at that time. There, there weren't followers of Christ, but, but the church planted in a place where they had just killed Jesus, planted in a place that uh, was uh, preeminently disposed to worship other gods, planted in a world, a culture, and a time uh, where the idea of worshiping Jesus and following him was laughable, the church exploded. The church exploded because the people who were followers of Christ, and they were sold out. They, they were passionate. Their deep desire, they knew if, the, if they were going to survive in their world and, 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 and bring honor to God, they need to seek God with all their heart every day. They need to be with God persistently, passionately, not just reading somebody else's journey with God. I, I, love, I love the idea of reading devotions. I think they're great. They're great tools. But here's the problem. So many of us substitute our journey 
with God by reading somebody else's journey with God. And we say we've had a good devotion. Guys, we need to spend more time with God, passionately pursuing Him, so that when we encounter other people in stressful times, in opposition, in hostility, in conflict, we reflect not what everybody else does, but we reflect Jesus, the very heart of God. Paul's trying to dig down deep into the hearts of his readers there in Ephesus and help them understand that, yes, your relationships, how you relate to people does matter. It matters to us in that we all want fruitful, fulfilling, healthy relationships, but it matters to God. I'm, I'm, I'm challenged a little bit sometimes, even in my own life, as I look at how I deal with certain situations and certain relationships, I, I grieve as I study God's Word this past week and the week before and this week. I, I, I grieve because I see that not all of my relationships have tasted the heart of the Father through me. So when Paul writes in Ephesians 4, 29, he, 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 uh, he, he says, uh, uh, let no unwholesome talk come out of your mouth, but only that which is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to its hearers, and do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by which you were sealed for the day of redemption. And let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, slander, along with all malice, be put away with you. As, as he describes that scenario, dealing with our words and dealing with our emotions, he then moves to these core components of his character that must come alive in us. He says, be kind to one another. Verse 32, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving each other, just as God in Christ also forgave you. Today we're talking about forgiveness. And really what we're going to examine is how that the Spirit of God awakens God's heart in His followers so that our relationships taste the fruit of the Spirit. So that our relationships taste what God is like. I guess Here's the thing. I know it's easy for us to excuse our behavior in our relationships. Well, they've been mean to me for as long as I've known them. Or uh, if you only understood how, how they have, how, how my parents have passed on baggage to me. Look, I've given my children so much baggage, it's going to take them decades to unpack it. And you know what? My parents gave me baggage too. And it's my responsibility to unpack it. I, I, I know that, that we have circumstances at our work. Well, you know, it's such an ungodly atmosphere. Yeah, it is. But instead of cloistering yourself off from an ungodly atmosphere, you know what God's called you to do? He's called you to be his ambassador there. And one of the greatest ways for you and me to be an ambassador in an ungodly culture is by demonstrating through our relationships what God's heart looks like. The reason so many people who don't know Jesus don't want to have anything to do with God is because they know you and me. They've related to us 
long enough to know that there is no significant difference between what I'm feeling and doing and what they're feeling and doing. Why do they want a God that can't do anything to change the heart? Guys, we need to take this seriously. Not just so we can have this good relationship, but so that we can fulfill the mission that God has given us and bring him honor. It matters. Now, as we look at God's heart and and the characteristics that should come alive in us, um, I, I want us to just take a moment. Every characteristic, kindness, compassion, forgiveness, those three characteristics that Paul describes uh, in verse 32 are each one characteristics that preeminently belong to God. Kindness is the display of God's goodness in response to you and me in our sin. Kindness is uh, the, the, the benefits that God gives. In Luke chapter 6, it says that, that uh, 6 verse 35, uh, Jesus said that God is kind to the just and the unjust. God's kind to the people who deserve it and don't deserve it. God is kind to sinners and those who are pursuing him. Compassion is the display of God's love in practical ways. Jesus showed compassion as he felt sympathy and, and, and empathy for people who were hurting around him. Uh, God shows uh, compassion to the children of Israel in, in, uh, in their rebellion against him, and yet he spared their lives, so many of them, and, and, and was patient with them. God shows his compassion toward you in that while you were a sinner, Christ died for you. Forgiveness? Paul describes it here, and this is what we're going to break down mostly, but Paul describes the the work of God forgiving others. We just read about it in Matthew chapter 18. The Father has forgiven so much in us, and you and I, look, look, right here, you and I are supposed to forgive others that way. Okay, so... How do we get there? Well, it's the same journey we've been on. It's not easy, and it's not natural. I understand it's not a natural thing to be kind when people are unkind. It's not a natural thing to be compassionate when we're so absorbed with our own stuff. It's not a natural thing to forgive someone 70 times 7 and beyond. It's not natural. It's not easy. But friends, you and I are followers of Jesus, and this is the way we're supposed to behave. So, what does Paul say? Well, if we're going to have God's heart, then we need the Spirit of God to awaken in us kindness so that we can immerse our relationships in kindness. Kindness uh, is a term that simply means uh, uh, to be a benefit, to be blessing, uh, to be uh, worthwhile, uh, to be helpful. It, it, it's, it's, not, uh, it's not a complicated term. I don't have to illustrate it. If I see someone who uh, is having trouble uh, 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 walking across the street and, and they're nervous about that, then I come over and I say, can I help you walk across the street? That's kindness. Someone at work forgets their lunch. I, I, I say, well, can I buy you lunch? Can I give you part of my lunch? That's kindness. 
someone is going through a hard time. Kindness is where we seek to help them through that hard time. And kindness is not an option for us. I want you to understand the Greek language here um, in verse 32. There is a Greek verb, genesthe, that begins this entire sentence. And it really, it, it rules every single kind, compassion, forgiveness. And it's an imperative. It's, it's not a suggestion, it's a command. When Paul says, be kind to one another, be tender-hearted to one another, be forgiving to one another, those are all commands. Again, it's not an option for us as followers of Christ. This is who we're supposed to be. If you are being unkind, understand you are sinning against God and rebellious against him and need to repent of sin. There is nowhere in Scripture that justifies you or me being a jerk to anybody. And yet some of us have been looking for that Scripture or pretending like it's in there for a long time. Are you quiet because you are like trying to process? Are you quiet because you're like, I don't like this? Or, you know, it's like, I, I understand. Look, you, maybe I need to come down here. I know, Chad, sorry. Uh, I'll try to stick right here. Uh, but here, here's the thing. I, I, I wonder, I wonder if maybe we've decided that we don't have to worry about being kind because it's so difficult or because so few people are really kind to us. Can I just tell you? Uh, oh, or... Because kindness means that we have to stop being selfish and think of others. And maybe, maybe that's the hardest part. I understand it, I really do, but just because I understand it doesn't mean that I can agree that it's okay to be unkind. You might say, well, I'm not actively unkind. Well, that's not the question either. The command is not, don't be a jerk. The command is, be kind. It means that you and I should be actively pursuing opportunities to bless others. It, it means that we stop looking so much at what we like, we want, we prefer, and we start consuming our lives as God did with what is going to bless others that we encounter, even the people that aren't kind to us. Now, here's the thing. We have so many avenues to be unkind to people. In fact, teenagers do it, or uh, even adults do it it's, uh, on Twitter. It's called subtweeting. And when they subtweet, here's what they do. They talk about someone else without naming names, and they describe a situation that bothers them, and, and they use harsher terms than if they were talking to the person. Uh, but, but it's all this passive-aggressive. I mean, that's a, a just good night. I'm not going to talk to this person. I'm just going to talk about this person. I'm not going to name names. I'm just going to talk about this person. And it's called subtweeting. And we live our lives so much subtweeting about other people. Can I tell you, and, and I, I want you to hear this from my heart. If, if I need to talk to you about certain things, I'm not going to preach about it in a subtweeting kind of way. I'm going to come, and I'm going to look you in the eye, and I'm going to say, here's what you need to do, in my opinion. 
I know many of you think, well, when he's speaking, he's, he's just trying to get after me. I'm not trying to get after you. I'm just preaching the text that God gave me. And if I need to talk to you one-on-one, we will talk one-on-one. Because that's what healthy relationships do. But I'll do it in kindness. Subtweeting is not kind. It's manipulative. It's the opposite of kind. And gathering in a group of people of like mind and talking about other people as if they were in the room when they're not in the room and being ugly about those people, do you realize that's not kind? That's a sin against God and you're going to have to answer for that sin. You need to confess and repent it. We've got to be kind. The second command is to be compassionate. We need to nourish the souls of others with compassion. Uh, the New King James Version translates it tenderhearted. And that's a good translation for, for splachna. I, every time that word comes up in the Greek, I want to say it. And y'all have heard me say splachna. This is not just splachna. Remember when Jesus saw the multitudes, uh, he had splachna compassion for them because they were like sheep without a shepherd it was when he fed the multitudes loaves of fishes and bread uh, loaves of bread and fishes and and he had compassion that's splachna here it's an intensified splachna it's ooh splachna pretty cool isn't it but it, it it means compassion that nourishes others sympathy that nourishes others. It's more than just feeling for them, although it includes that. It is a feeling that moves us toward them. I get the, get the picture. There's a difference between just feeling for someone. The difference between what Neil experienced and uh, when, when he got that wrong email and and got into this conversation with this man in Maine, and, 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 and that, that conversation led uh, Neil to have compassion for that man and his family by praying for that man, leading our church to pray for that man and his family, calling that man, doing beyond the ordinary. It was more than just having, uh, having sympathy for the man. It was compassion or sympathy that moved Neil toward that man. There are times when, uh, when I, I try to have compassion from my easy chair for my girls or my wife when they're in need. And can I say compassion from the easy chair, just words. They don't nourish the soul. Real compassion gets up off the easy chair and moves toward that person with whom we have relationship and feels with them the hurt, the struggle, the trouble, the confusion, the chaos, the perplexity, the impuzzlement that they experience. Again, compassion is not optional, nor is it limited to just the people we like. 
Compassion is not relegated only to the mere few people that are within our inner circle that think the way we think and act the way we think, uh, act the way we act and, and, and like what we like and don't like what we don't like. Now, compassion is where you get outside your selfish interests and see the hurt and the need of another and you move toward them to feel with them. And that's what nourishes the souls of others. Now, uh, compassion and kindness feed a heart of forgiveness for others. So what Paul does, he says, be kind to one another, tenderhearted, and then he adds this other phrase forgiving one another even as God in Christ forgave you can I tell you that forgiveness is the fuel for our relationships and we need to fuel our relationships with this forgiveness it's the fuel for our relationships because let's just let's just take a poll and let's have some participation how many of you have behaved perfectly in every relationship you've ever had Okay, all right, so that's none of us. How many of us have behaved badly in at least one relationship that we've had? That, I'm kind of thinking that's all of us, right? I, I, Cheryl just punched Kevin and said, raise your hand. Uh, and that's good, that's good. That's, what, that's accountability uh, between husband and wife. I like that. Um, but, all right, so because we have all flubbed it in our relationships, guess what? We all need forgiveness in our relationships. Because every, by the way, how many of you are holding a standard with someone in relationship, a standard that says, don't you ever flub it up in our relationship? Because if you do, your toast are you holding and you you won't say it that way no no you won't you won't Uh, but did you get uh, again Matthew chapter 18 beginning verse uh, 20 20 something Peter said Lord 21 Lord uh, how many times should I forgive somebody that sins against me seven times and 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 Jesus says no 70 times seven do y'all get that I mean, uh, we sit here and we uh, stand kind of over our relationship and say, well, don't you dare mess up in this relationship or I will cut you off. Do you realize that? That's a sin against God? Did, did you hear verse 35, Matthew 18, verse 35, where Jesus said, listen, God's going to, God's going to hold you accountable for not forgiving others. In fact, God... According to the context of the story, God's going to punish you because you don't forgive others. From your heart. So as we look at our relationships, the fuel for our relationship is not perfection, but rather forgiveness. We need to have a heart like the Father who has forgiven us 
through the person of Jesus Christ. We need to have a heart of forgiveness for others. That's what fuels a relationship because every relationship is going to be marred by imperfections. And when those imperfections come, we can build a wall of resentment. Remember last week? Let all bitterness, wrath, and anger, these emotions, when imperfections come into our relationships, we can let resentment settle into our soul this bitter pill that we swallow and have as our daily diet every day that leads to an outburst of wrath that, me, that moves toward a settled uh, disposition of dislike toward another person. It all begins with resentment, but forgiveness cuts out resentment, wrath, anger. Why? Because it forgives. Guys, we need more forgiveness. The, the Greek term here for forgive um, uh, is a Greek term that literally means, it comes from the Greek term for grace. And it literally means, it's a verb form of grace, and it literally means to extend grace to someone else. So when we look at our relationships, we need to first think about how we should cover that relationship with grace. We need to cover that infraction. We need to cover that supposed uh, crime against us with grace. Now, grace means that we, um, uh, we, we wipe it away. We let it go. We, 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 we pardon it. We cover it so that we no longer see the sin against us. We just see our love for the sinner against us. We just see the person and, and we've extended grace. We've forgiven that sin. Again, kindness, compassion, and forgiveness that covers the sin, that's not natural. It's not a natural response. Somebody sins against me, I don't want to cover it with grace. I want to cover it with condemnation. I don't want to cover it with grace. I want to cover it with attack. I don't want to cover it with grace. I want to cover it with a counterpunch. They punch me, I want to counterpunch. That, that's, that's what's natural, but guys, you're not called to be natural in your relationships. You're called to be supernatural. And that means that when someone overwhelms you with some crime, you extend grace, you forgive. Now, again, this is not a suggestion. This is God's expectation. This is how we're supposed to behave. And if we don't forgive, and please understand, and just hold on, I know I'm getting into some ticklish territory and, and, and it's going to be tough, but, but if we choose not to forgive, understand we are committing sin against God. We violated his word. That's called sin. So then the problem is not what someone has done to us. Now the problem becomes what we've done to God. So we forgive, we cover the relationship with God's grace because that's what God expects. Can I ask, are you known at work or at school as a quick forgiver? Or are you known as someone who holds a grudge and never forgets? It's a simple question. 
when your neighbors come out to bring in their trash can and they see you outside bringing in your trash can, do they turn around and go back inside as quickly as they can? If that's the case, then you've you've missed it somewhere, right? To cover with grace means that we do the good work of demonstrating what God has done for us in Christ. In fact, that's, that's really what we need to do. You might say, well, how in the world can I cover with grace those things that have been done against me? You focus on God's grace for us. We, we focus on what God has done for us. That's why Paul added the phrase, here's how you're supposed to forgive, just as God in Christ forgave you. The manner, the model that we're supposed to follow is not our feeling of the moment, but rather it is the focus of what God has done for us. And you know what God has done for you in that while you were yet a sinner, Christ died for you. That God made him who knew no sin, Jesus, to become sin on your behalf so that you might become the righteousness of God in him. That we now have no condemnation when we're in Christ Jesus. For even though we couldn't fulfill the righteous requirement of the law, God fulfilled the righteous requirement of the law. He sent his son Jesus to do it for us. Friends, today you as a follower of Jesus have been rescued and brought into the family of God. And yet... Just as that wicked servant who had been forgiven so much, and yet you become so consumed with what is all about you that you fail to demonstrate the heart of God to others when they do you wrong. Forgive. So when someone does you wrong, focus first on God's grace toward you. If you're going to cover it with grace, you need to think, well, this is how God has covered my sin with grace. Again, it doesn't answer all the questions. It doesn't doesn't make things easier. And maybe you have to go through this process regularly. I know that God has forgiven me so much and and so many sins that I've done against him that I've repeated. How many of y'all have repeated sins against God? And you've done it on a regular basis. You know, this, there's a, old timers used to call it besetting sin. Well, I know about besetting sin. You, you, you have that sin that you, that you sin every single day or every other day or every week or you've been doing it consistently for years and, and, and you always go to the Father and say, Father, please forgive me. God, please forgive me. Now, the good news is, is if that God expect, if, if Jesus told Peter, you need to forgive 70 times 7, the good news is that, that God forgives us up to 70 times 7. It, there's not an end to his forgiving love, right? I mean, that's powerful. The challenge for us is that we're supposed to be the same way toward people who sin against us in the same way over and over and over again now let me say by caveat forgiveness does not mean fix there are certain things that you can do with forgiveness you can pave the road of your relationship with forgiveness but the other person may choose not to walk down that road toward reconciliation and if not, that's, you've done your part. You forgive. 
Forgive is not the same as fix. There are problems in relationships, especially in marital relationships, that can only be fixed by absolute repentance, probably good Christian counseling, um, and, and, and time. But forgiveness is what we do in our heart toward that other person. It doesn't resolve all the issues, but it fuels the relationship toward health. Forgive. Cover the infraction with grace. And focus on God's grace toward you. I I really do believe that the key for us to have God's heart is for us to stop, take a breath, and pray. God, will you help me today to be kind, compassionate, and forgiving toward every person I encounter? Stop, take a breath. And pray before you go to work, before you go to school, before you respond in anger, before you allow bitterness to take root in your heart. Stop, take a breath, and pray. Before you pick up the phone and 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 uh, and, and enter into a conflict caused by by something someone else has done, or before you uh, subtweet uh, or uh, or say something harsh and unkind on 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 social media. Before you before you do anything, stop. Take a breath and pray. Oh God, will you awaken kindness, compassion, and forgiveness in my heart toward others? And in this way, when we forgive others the way God in Christ forgave us, we pave the road of our relationships with a destination toward health wholeness and satisfaction so today commit to walk that road would you bow your heads in prayer I just invite you to consider your relationships today Guys, if, if you're not reflecting God's heart to people with whom you work or go to school or in your community, in your neighborhood, if you're not reflecting the heart of the Father toward them, then please understand, and I say this with a pastor's heart and compassion, you're in rebellion against God. Regardless of the rationalizations you've made or I've made, if we are not reflecting the heart of the Father in our relationships, then, then we're choosing rebellion against God. That, this is how we've been made. So today, maybe you've been rebellious against God because you just haven't spent time with Him. You're not pursuing Him. Even as you gathered here today, you haven't been pursuing God. You've been pr- pursuing a song or an idea or information or a relationship here. Or, but you haven't been pursuing God. Guys, the, the power of worship is is not the forms that it takes. The power of worship is absolute intimacy with the Father in this moment. So I invite you to that intimacy. I invite you to that 
community with God the Father so that He can, can shape your life and so that you can reflect His heart to others. So as you spend time with the Father and, and, and His Spirit awakens your heart uh, to, to reflect God's heart, then, then, then think on your relationships. Are you being kind? Are you, are you immersing your relationships in kindness? Are you nourishing your relationships with compassion? Are you fueling your relationships with forgiveness? If not, if you're holding against kindness and you're, I'm just a mean person, I'm going to be okay just being mean, will you at least today acknowledge that it's not okay? Maybe you, you, you've, you've short-circuited compassion by just feeling with people from an easy chair. But today, God's calling you to move toward others with sympathy. And maybe you're holding a grudge and just refusing to forgive, and today God is just burdening your heart, saying you need to forgive. You realize that that's kind of what Jesus says in Mark chapter 11, verses 35, 34 and 35. He says, if you've got something in your heart against a brother or a sister, if you've got sin, if you've got this grudge against another person and you haven't settled and you haven't forgiven them, then before you worship the Lord, before you, before you pray, you need to make it right with that other person. You need to forgive that other person. You realize you can forgive without telling the person about the problem, right? You, you realize forgiveness is not always a transaction between me and another person. Sometimes it's just a transaction between me, myself, and I and God. And say, God, I forgive that person. I let it go. In these next few moments, this altar is going to be open for you to come and pray. And their minister is going to be here that are ready to share with you and pray with you and talk with you, answer any questions that you might have. I just invite you to spend time with the Father and see what He's saying to you. And then respond according to what He says. Come to this altar. Talk to the Father. Now God be glorified by what you do in our lives and in our relationships. Will you by your spirit awaken our eyes and our hearts and our minds and our emotions to see how you have been kind to us and how you have been compassionate with us and how you have been forgiving toward us and help for us to respond in worship and in relationship with others it's in the name of jesus we pray amen